This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Future of Flushing. I'm Vito Khaleesi. With me is Jonathan Barron. And if you're joining us for the first time, we are the official minor league podcast of the New York Mets, covering all levels of player development, giving you nightly recaps. We have an interview up on the Mets YouTube channel right now with Luke Ritter. John, I would say just, you know, an average day, right? An average, normal, boring day. Vito, I actually, I, I was thinking of a, a witty way to kind of open this. Um, I, I'm not joking. I did go to the optometrist today. I was going to say... The future of flushing is so bright right now that my optometrist said, don't look directly at it because it could cause damage to the retinas. <laughs> but look, this is a, it's a, a, a melancholy-ish, bittersweet-ish, maybe melancholy is not the right word. It's a bittersweet day because a lot of good, talented players were traded from the major league roster. And it's it's definitely understandable that there are people out there that, you know, are upset about that in the short term. But today, or the last few days, really, um, might be a span of days that we look back on in three, four, five years, maybe even sooner, and look at them as days where it all turned around, where an organization was willing to say, hey, there might be some short-term pain to endure, but it's for long-term gain. And so, you know, Vito and I, we're not here to tell you how to feel. And we're not here to tell you that your feelings are invalid whatsoever. All we're here to do is talk about all the exciting young talent that the Mets have added to this player development system in the, in the past few days. If you want to go back, uh, you know, a month going back to the Eduardo Escobar trade. But the Mets have transformed this minor league system in a matter of a month. That includes the MLB draft to where come next year when these rankings start to come out, when, when prognosticators are ranking entire farm systems, the Mets could be looking at having a, a you know widely considered as a top five player development system. And a lot of that has to do with all of the great work that was done throughout the front office from draft to trade deadline. And now we get to kind of talk about it as the dust finally settles. I think all you can ask for as a fan, and this goes for anything, not just sports teams, uh, all you can ask for is evolution and to move forward. And I think it's safe to say that Mets fans should just be happy, so happy with how the team is moving and the direction they're taking and that they really are thinking more ahead than I feel like we've seen them in our lifetimes think ahead. And, you know, I'd like to think, John, like you said, there's some short-term pain, but some hope for long-term success. It's almost like a parent who says to you, hey, I can't get you those expensive sneakers. You know why? Because I'm putting money towards your college tuition. Yeah, I mean, you and I were talking before we started to record this episode, and we're going to you know, break down uh, some of the guys the Mets acquired. We obviously did not do an episode um, yesterday. We had the Luke Ritter interview, so we'll break down a lot of the guys that the Mets have added, and then we'll go through the night. 
but we were talking and in 2004, the Mets were kind of a fringish team. They were around four or five games out of the wild card spot. Back then, there was just one wild card. Um, not a great team in general. And they made a trade. They decided to trade um, a very, very young, talented, left-handed prospect by the name of Scott Casimir to the Tampa Bay, then Devil Rays. And they got Victor Zambrano in the trade. And it was a half measure. And it didn't work out. Scott Casimir had a, a really strong run in the major leagues. Uh, the 06 Mets could have used Scott Casimir. <laughs> but, you know, that was a situation where a team couldn't really admit what they were and probably made a foolish move and they paid the price for it. And this Mets regime could have chosen to do a similar thing. They could have said, hey, you know, we're six, seven games out. There's still 60 something games left to play. Let's try to add here. Let's subtract from our player development system and let's try to make a run at this thing. But to be honest, that would have been foolish. So if a team, when a team is honest with, with what it is and a team uses the assets it has to get better for the future, um, that's, a, that's a highly commendable thing. And again, it's a short-term pain, long-term gain kind of thing. And that's exactly what the Mets did. So let's jump into this because there's a lot to go over in terms of the newly acquired minor league players. And we'll start with can Justin I bring Jarvis. Up, can I bring up one more thing, John? Yes, go ahead. I do want to say, John just brought up an example of a time the team did something at a time when maybe they shouldn't have. And I want to bring up something of like, what about the Jose Reyes year? Yeah, That's a year where you had a player who you obviously thought was probably not going to get re-signed. Right. And then you end up letting walk. And it's just a moment where you're like, you know, this team wasn't really in a race or anything at this time. You could have gotten something back for this player. So like, before we move on and talk about these players, I just want to say, it really is the best moves going forward. And like, it's just for me as a fan of this team who lives and dies by the Mets, it is so happy for me to say, oh, you know what? Like, I really do feel like long-term success is better for the fan. And they're really thinking about that. And they're not just trying to get you to be all hoped up on what could be this year. Long-term sustainability is what counts. So John, yeah. take us into the first well, deal. You know what? You just sparked one more thought in my mind that I said to you in a <laughs> Well, this it, is like it, bridesmaids. Yeah, it's this is like a conversation with my mom. All right, bye. <laughs> By the way, um, <laughs> there. This is this is a model for winning in, in the major leagues today. We've seen a lot of organizations go through it, and when they come out on the other end, they come out stronger for it. Right now, the Baltimore Orioles are an example of this. The Arizona Diamondbacks are an example of this. You know, ten years ago, the Houston Astros were an example of this. Now, for all three teams I just mentioned, those fan bases had to endure. 100 plus lost seasons. Now that is some is a place that nowhere no one wants to go to. That's that's territory we don't want to talk about. But teams trade, they draft, they scout, and it takes time to really build a system up for that for the fruits of that labor to finally reach the major leagues and to finally help, you know, secure wins on the major league level. So um Mets fans should consider themselves lucky that just last year, they had a 100-win season. And next year, this is going to be a competitive team. And there are some guys that we talk about on a nightly basis that can help the Mets in 2024 compete for a postseason spot. So don't be talking about, oh, oh, they're punting for next year. That's not true. And there are a lot of young, talented players that can surprise some people and make a difference at the major league level. Now, let's get into, finally, and we mean it this time, uh, breaking down some of the new fresh talent in the system. And we're going to start with 
um, Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, who the Mets acquired in the Justin Verlander deal. Gilbert was a first rounder taken by the Astros in 2022. He went to the University of Tennessee. He was a teammate with Blade Tidwell there, and he will now reunite with Blade Tidwell at AA Binghamton. So a nice little story right off the bat there. Gilbert represented the Astros at the 2023 Futures game. He's a guy with great hand-eye coordination, big big exit velocities, a good outfield arm. And I heard Billy Epler say this. He's a guy who really just plays with his hair on fire. Uh, He was a big SEC bat. If you watch college baseball, Drew Gilbert to know a name that you know. And the Mets are very, very lucky to have a player of his caliber in the system now. Everything John just said 100% true. Uh, recently, Baseball Prospectus put out some midseason rankings. He was ranked at number 36, also the number one prospect in the Astros organization. Dominated high A with an OPS over 1,100. He was last in the Texas League playing for Corpus Christi over at AA. Had some early struggles in AA, but those subsided. Slash line 295, 337, and 505 over his last 101 plate appearances at AA. John, in his last 12 games, he was batting a 333, 346, and 608 slash line. Three home runs in his last 12 games. Those are the kind of prospects you're really excited to see when you see that passing bomb. Yeah, Gilbert, highly ranked, highly regarded. And after those the struggles, like you mentioned, really started to figure it out. And I've see, you see a lot of tweets going around that, oh, he dominated at high A, and he's gotten a double A. It hasn't been as good. And I was curious, so I wanted to look and see what that had been like lately especially you know him getting his feet wet at the double-A level and starting to get accustomed to uh, facing some some better talent. And it, it checked out that he had started a hit. So the Rumble Ponies will be getting themselves an exciting injection of talent with Drew Gilbert joining double-A Binghamton. So why don't we talk about the other half of that Justin Verlander deal? That's Ryan Clifford from the Astros, ranked at number 42 on the Baseball Prospectus' midseason rankings. Turned 20 on July 20th, so he is a young kid. His 16 home runs are tied for the third most in the South Atlantic League. And the two guys ahead of him on that home run list are also older than him. So among players in their age, 19 season or younger in the South Atlantic League, nobody has more home runs than Clifford. Yeah, he was a high school draft pick by the Astros. Huge, huge power. That's the part of his game that really jumps off the the charts. Um, he can really play the outfield also, a solid outfielder. 138 WRC plus, that's fifth in the South Atlantic League. And he's got a slugging percentage of 547, checks out. We talk about the power. That's second best among all qualifiers in the league. And there was one name that I noticed that he was ahead of in slugging percentage, a guy that many uh, many prospect followers, not even prospect huggers, but followers are aware of, and that's Jackson Holiday, who the Baltimore Orioles drafted first overall in 2022. So Clifford, a very, very, very exciting bat, a big bat. So the Mets secure not one, but two top 100 outfield prospects in this deal. They've acquired a number of of infield prospects and other deals as they really round out the player development system Two slam dunk top echelon prospects. A great job by the Mets organization to go out and land these players. Yeah, John, I mean, just to pull the curtain back a little, uh, we are in a group chat with our other podcast, Matt up, and we were all pretty fired up when these names came through. I mean, it was just a really exciting thing to see, and especially when we only got one name to start, 
being Drew Gilbert, seeing Ryan Clifford be the other name when the other was unnamed to start, just super exciting and just really happy with both. Yeah, one more thing I want to add to that. So as of right now, uh, Gilbert number one in the Astros system and Clifford number four currently. Jim Callis, however, who writes for MLB Pipeline, did tweet during the day that he was going to have Gilbert ranked one and Clifford ranked two in the Astros system when Pipeline updated its rankings next week. So the Mets hit a grand slam with this one. They take the top two prospects nice in the Astros system, an organization that has done a very good job of scouting and developing talent, an organization that's been one of the best in baseball for close to 10 years now, really. So the Mets do incredibly well as they dip in to the Astros talent pool with this deal on Tuesday. And you know what, John? I'm not trying to say that I know how to put a website together better than Pipeline in any way. This isn't an insult. But I would suggest that they kind of cater their rankings and when they update them closer to the deadline because I feel like they should know that they got a lot of people going to check those rankings the second these trades come through. A lot of people going straight to the website. <laughs> and the most surprising to me was the Dominic Leone trade uh, for Jeremiah Jackson of the LA Angels. I mean, I'm not saying for any other reason other than we saw rumors all day of specific names of people that did end up going and some that didn't end up going. But Dominic Leone was not one of the ones that I think we were expecting to get something back for. And what we got back for Dominic Leone was a nice little infielder with some pop. Career-high 15 home runs already this season. It's also stolen 21 bases. And he can play in the outfield as well. Yeah, and, and the thing to, to know about this deal, or really when you consider the entirety of the trade, is that the Mets signed Dominic Leone, who was sitting without a team until May 4th. So they go out, they bring Leone in, and they flip him at the deadline for a very, very talented, very, very toolsy player who can play the infield and can play the outfield. Jackson was drafted in 2018 out of high school. He was drafted by the Angels. Billy Epler was the, the, G, uh, the general manager of the Angels back then. So obviously some familiarity there. Jackson got, a, got some really cool exposure in spring training. He was actually able to play in an exhibition game for Team USA prior to the World Baseball Classic. And I said Toolsy, when he was drafted in rookie ball, right after he was drafted in rookie ball, in the Pioneer League in 2019, he set a Pioneer League record hitting 23 home runs in 65 games. So remember, this is a guy who the Mets acquired for a relief pitcher that they got for, for nothing other than a little bit of money. Um, so a great use of assets by the Mets to turn that into a guy that was a top 15 prospect in the Angels system. He's stolen 21 bases this year. Very, very intriguing young player that the Mets now have in their system. We'll see where he, uh, where he starts. But all in all, a really, really shrewd deal by the Mets. And like you said, one that was a little bit unexpected. Now let's turn it back to Monday and the Mark Hanna trade, which none of the Mets, Justin Jarvis, a right-handed pitcher from the Milwaukee Brewers. You've probably seen a lot about Jarvis in the last 24 hours, but we'll tell you a little bit more about him. He's a tall righty, over-the-top delivery, high release point. Fastball velocity sits around 92 to 94. He does run that up to 95, 96 every now and again. He's a guy with a four-pitch mix. Those four pitches, four-seam fastball, a really, really above-average slider, a curveball, and a splitter he's working on. Um, in double-A, he had a really high strikeout rate, just under 29%, and a low walk rate of 8%. He's only made three starts in triple-A, so a lot of people have pointed out that since he's been promoted to triple-A, he struggled with triple-A Nashville, but a very small sample size. A guy who I've seen comparisons to 
Chris Bassett with the height and the way he mixes his pitches. So a very intriguing arm the Mets acquire for Mark Hanna from the Milwaukee Brewers, who will continue now at AAA Syracuse. And we're going to round out this trade deadline, this just explosion of talent into the Mets system with our final trade of the day, which was where we saw the exit of Tommy Pham and the entrance of Jeremy Rodriguez. Jeremy Rodriguez is a super exciting prospect for the Diamondback system. Top 50 in the 2023 International Free Agency class. Currently playing over in the Dominican Summer League, a league we love to talk about here every single night. And the insane thing about Jeremy Rodriguez, as a 16-year-old in the offseason, signed for a $1.25 million bonus with the Diamondbacks. I mean, I'm not saying money is everything, John, but when you see a number like that, obviously the system had some high hopes for him and had some pretty good talent evaluation on him if they were going to make a commitment like that. Yeah, a player with a lot of a lot of hype, like you mentioned, top 50 in the 2023 international free agent class. A guy that's definitely further away than some. He just turned 17. He actually turned 17 on June 4th. So a lot of talent, raw tools over in DSL. We'll, so, we'll see when he comes stateside to make that stateside debut. But a guy the Mets like with a lot of upside, like you mentioned, um, probably won't make a difference at the major league level for some years. But Another player up the middle. We talked about that when the Mets acquired Marco Marco Vargas, Ronald Hernandez. Those are the players that help you win. And the Mets net themselves. Another one for Tommy Pham, who, once again, you got to tip your cap to the Mets front office. A shrewd move in the offseason with the way the season was going. Tommy Pham on a one-year deal. It made sense for the Mets to move on. Flipping for a prospect. And the Mets get themselves another good young asset in Rodriguez. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now that we've given you all the lowdown and all the transactions the Mets have made over the last few days, why don't we get into our normal type of episode, John? And what better place to start than Binghamton, New York, with the Rumble Ponies, where Luis Angel Acuna made his debut, unfortunately went hitless at four at-bats, but he still just looks so good. Don't get down on that first game. Yeah, Acuna has that it factor. You see him at shortstop. He just looks pro. He's a smooth operator out there, a guy that could play second. He could play short. He could play center field. And he's a little bit smaller than his brother, Ronald Acuna Jr. But the mechanics at the plate are uncanny. He looks just like him. And did you know, Vito, that dad, Ronald Sr., was once upon a time a Binghamton Met. Ronald Sr. was a pitcher in the Mets organization back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So sort of a, a coming of a, how, how do I say, uh a round coming circle, age. coming of age, uh, closing the circle, whatever it is. It's, full circle. Uh, You're saying this has come full circle. A full um, circle moment. That's exactly. This is this is why the partnership works. It's not a You're, full circle uh, moment. It's not a full circle moment. That's not the term. It just things have come full circle. Things have come full circle. There you go. Well, things have also really come together for Dom Hamill. The other big story from this game on Tuesday in Binghamton. Dom Hamill was fantastic. Once again, for the Rumble Ponies, his last start 
struck out 11 over seven strong innings, follows it up with six and a third innings of work, allows just two hits, no runs, seven strikeouts. So you put the last start and Tuesday's start together, 13 and a third innings of work, just one run allowed and 18 strikeouts with five hits allowed, running a 39% whiff rate. One of the many arms we talked about that can help the Mets in the near future. And Dom Hamill showing why once again with another strong outing on Tuesday night. Dom Hamill proves why he's one of the most fun players to watch on that MLB TV app. Always fun to watch a Dom Hamill game. You can go check out our interview that we did with Dom a few weeks ago on the Mets YouTube. And you can go check out our interview we did with Luke Ritter over on YouTube as well. But why don't we talk about this Rumble Ponies game a little bit more. Wrap it up mentioning that JT Schwartz had four hits. That's seven total in his last two games. That's a fifth straight win for the Rumble Ponies with three runs allowed or less in all five. And those five straight wins match their season high, John. Rumble Ponies are hot. Rumble Ponies get a little extra talent. Drew Gilbert, Luis Angel Acuna. So uh, a lot of fun stuff going on in Binghamton at Morabito Stadium as the Rumble Ponies look to now earn their sixth straight victory, which will be a season high on Wednesday night. Is it Morabito Stadium? No, it's, it's Morabito, yeah. It's Morabito? Yeah, it's not Morabito. John, I've said Morabito every single time on this podcast, and you've never stopped me once. I didn't realize. I I, I was watching tonight, and he, and he said it. And I was John, like, you're not doing podcast. I want you to know I'm keeping this in. I don't even care if it sounds unprofessional that we didn't know the name of the stadium. Well, I almost just cursed, so it's a good thing you stopped me. <laughs> that That is, <laughs> that is Morabito. As an Italian man, and as a big fan of, of Mets prospect Nick Morabito, that is spelled Morabito. It is, but... Oh, did I did I say the whole word? Did I say sh? I need I need an official. We'll have to check the tapes. I thought I might have cursed. Did he but... curse? John did not curse. That was All the right. first time we've had a producer mention on the show. Big night over in Jersey Shore because Jet Williams and Jacob Reimer made their debuts for the Cyclones. Jet Williams three walks, a double, a steal, and an RBI. And Jacob Reimer almost got. And Jacob Reimer also got out there as he drew a walk. Yeah, Reimer playing first base. Didn't see a whole lot of that down at Port St. Lucie. So a nice debut for him. And Jet Williams, I mean, what more can you say? Um, he, he moves up a level and he's doing the same exact things. Still 19 years old, but a great, great introduction to, for him, for Jet, to the South Atlantic League with a huge night for Jersey, for Jersey Shore. Alex Ramirez also has a big night. Two hits, two RBIs. And how about Robert Kalina? A really good outing, just two runs allowed over five innings, seven strikeouts, and no walks for Colina as the Cyclones lose, but still a lot of positives for the, in this one. And Rylan Thomas cannot forget about Rylan Thomas. Two more hits, now has that batting average up to 343 and that OPS up to 830. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline for Rylan Thomas, a 2022 draft pick out of the University of Southern California. And we're going to keep talking about these debuts because we're going to talk about the St. Lucie Mets who lost 11-2 to the Daytona Tortugas. John, there's a lot of words and a lot of sentences that have a lot of T's. Daytona Tortugas is a lot of T's for me. Now, big moment in this game because 
Nick Marabito made his debut for the St. Lucie Mets, and he homered in his first plate appearances in the FSL. Nick Marabito just crushing it. Nick Marabito, huh? That's well. That's how. That's how the uh, Brooklyn. That's how the Binghamton Rumble Ponies would like me to pronounce this name from now on. It seems. Well, I'm sure that stadium's named after somebody, but I'm also sure that when I texted you and said, or I didn't actually text you, it was Janie who uh, who who alerted us about Nick Morabito's leadoff home run, his first plate appearance in the Florida State League. I'm sure uh, you were very excited as Nick Morabito's number one fan. What an introduction! to the Florida State League for Nick Morabito. We said this in our last episode that he was essentially taking the place of Jet Williams, who did such great work at shortstop for the St. Louis Mets. Morabito just picking up where Jet left off, literally because Jet homered in his last game for the Florida, uh, for the poor St. Louis Mets. So a great introduction for Morabito there. Another standout here, Lionel Ovias pitched well, seven strikeouts, just one walks over one walk over five innings. And he had 16 whiffs, so another solid start for Lionel Ovias, who's gotten a lot of whiffs all season long. And I do know that the name is Nick Morabito. I was just having a little fun there because I'm a little, I'm a little. Is it okay to say you're the same guy who opens the show saying this? My name is Vito Calisme, so I you never know, John. Nobody knows I took that out, so nobody knows that I called myself Vito Calisme a few times. You called yourself Vito Calisme at least three times. I've done it. I've done it three times, and I've edited out each time. Vito Calisme. I don't know why it comes out that way. Not Vito Calisme, you Vito (laughs) Calisme. Why don't we talk about the Dominican Summer League Mets? DSL Blue won 5-1 in a Game 1 continuation versus the DSL Rangers. Awkward. And then in Game 2, DSL Blue lost 3-2 versus the DSL Rangers. Awkward again. DSL Orange lost 14-4 versus the DSL Rockies. Not really awkward because there were no transactions with them this week. And unfortunate for everybody, unfortunate for Ethan Briggs, our, our top Twitter supporter, I would say. Jeffrey Rosa did not play, which means Jeffrey Rosa did not get to Homer. He did not. Jeffrey Rosa getting a day off after his participation in the DSL All-Star game over the weekend. Now let's go over to the FCL Mets, who swept a doubleheader from the FCL Marlins on Tuesday, an 8-3 victory in Game 1 and a 2-1 victory in Game 2. So they put up a lot of runs in Game 1, and they win a close one in Game 2. FCL Mets now 24-13. and And, of course, we have to fill you in on Marco Vargas and what he did, of course, coming over from the Marlins in that trade for David Robertson last week. Vargas, over the course of the doubleheader, he reached base safely two times, a hit and two walks. We've told you all about his propensity for getting on base. That was on full display on Tuesday. As the FCL Mets stay hot, this is a good team with a lot of talent. Willie Fania, Simon Juan, Jesus Baez. Now you add in Vargas, you add in Ronald Hernandez. A lot to like down there with the FCL Mets. And and Wilson Esterlin, he tossed five innings of one-run ball in game two for the FCL Mets. That lowered his ERA to under three on the season. So I'll say it again, a lot to like for this FCL Mets John, I am fired up right now. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm sorry to come in so hot, but we started this thing as the Syracuse Mets game was still on. We said, you know what? Let's just hope for the best. See if we can get to the end of this thing and the Syracuse Mets can pull it up. And what happens? Fresh off of his future of flushing interview, Luke Ritter, walk-off hit, win the game for the Syracuse Mets. They entered the ninth inning down 3-2, allowed a run in the top of the 10th, and then scored two in the bottom of the 10th with that Luke Ritter walk-off hit. 
Ritter also walked twice in this game. And you know what? I heard it might be because he talked to us the other day. I heard that's why. Yeah, we're going to have to follow up with Luke and say, hey, Luke, I mean, you just got the, the future of Flushing bump there. You come, you have a chat with us on your day off. What do you do? You go out, two walks, a walk-off hit. Uh, easy night work for Luke What you eat for breakfast today, Luke? Why'd you have a breakfast? By the way, that was a, that was a, that was a nice breakfast that Luke had that morning. I was I was expecting like oh, I had a bowl of cereal and a banana, but no, Luke had a good breakfast and uh, country strong. Luke Ritter, you know who else is country strong? Vito is Luke Voigt, the other Luke in the lineup. So that's Luke Ritter, the hitter. Luke gave his stamp of approval for that one, and of course, Nuke Voigt. He went deep, so he had the six game homer streak. Went two straight games without a homer. That's way too long for Luke Voigt to not homer. So we hit one on Tuesday, giving him seven homers in his last nine games and 15 homers with the Syracuse Mets, who beat the Woo Sox in a game where the Syracuse Mets faced Chris Sale, who was making a rehab start. Chris Sale working his way back from injury. He'll be back with the Red Sox shortly. Trevor Story also played in this game. Trevor Story had Tommy John surgery in the offseason, so he hasn't played in the majors yet, but he played in this game on a rehab assignment. Story actually homered, so... A nice, resilient win for Syracuse Mets, capped off by the heroics by our boy Luke Ritter. So all around, a really good day on the player development side of things, from the transactions to the results to the debuts and so much more. And now you know all about it by spending your morning with us. And if this is your first time listening to the show because you just wanted to hear more about those prospects that got traded to the system, thank you for listening. We are here mornings, Monday through Friday. Sometimes we pop in on Saturdays. I would say our Saturday schedule is when we feel like it or when something really important happens. But always tune in. Subscribe on that podcast feed available on all major podcast providers. Rate, review, listen. And thank you so much for listening. Usually, you know, we get a little more. We, we usually talk a lot more about things that have nothing to do with baseball. No time so, for that. No, no time, time for that, that today. No not, time not for tonight. that today. No, not tonight. No. John, you want to have a 20-minute discussion right now about sushi? Uh, not, not tonight. I'm actually, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to catch some disease because we're going to do it all again. So, uh, we will see you all in the future. Enjoy the morning. Enjoy the stock music. Let's go Mets.